seeking to examine, with God's help, how it is that we grow as Christians. How do we grow as Christians? Well, that's a question. We've been looking at it. We uh, realize it's something we must start, and most of us have started it, and uh, we're looking at it in these days as a refresher course. For some of us, it goes back many, many days. For some of us, it goes back years. For others of us, it seemed like a lifetime. I pray that you will consider the truth again that we are looking at. Understand that God wants us to give personal application to the Word of God. We're to act upon it. We're to do something with it. We're not to hear it and just let it fluff out of our mind. God has a purpose. He's up to something. We ought to ask every Sunday, God, I learned this last Sunday. What do I need to learn this Sunday? We hear the word of God that we might be motivated to do it. A new convert to Christ shared his experience with me several years ago. It caught my attention. I've never forgot his words. He said, I've made new discoveries. I've understood things in a new way. He said, the Bible is something else. Yes, it is. The Bible is something else. There's no book like it. There's nothing that we read. There's nothing that we listen to that speaks to us more than the Word of God. The Bible is some book. That's why we spend time studying it every week and then hearing the proclamation of God's Word. Do not forget this. The Bible is the inspired Word of God. Every word in it has been inspired by God. Even though men wrote it, God used men and gave them the very words of God. The results of God's word is that it stirs our heart and it gives us life and understanding. Excuse me just a minute. <coughs> Dave and I have discussed, I believe there is some kind of dryness in this pulpit. I don't know what it is, but uh, every time I get up here, I have to have water. Dave could have used some water next last week. I'm glad that we have men like Dave in our church that can step into the pulpit and do what they do. That was an awesome sermon last week. Do you remember what it was on? I'm sorry. Words. Sue was listening. I can't ever get to listen to me, but she was glad to have somebody different in the pulpit. I'm teasing, dear. The Holy Spirit of God moved on men 
and told them what to write down as the Word of God. Because it is inspired, listen to this, because God's Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, it is also authoritarian. This Word, this Bible is the Word of God. There are no errors, there's no mix-up, there's not any problems with this Word. We can believe it. It's our accurate guide to the beliefs that we need to have and also to our practicing the Word of God. That's what we're to do every week as we come and hear the Word of God. We're to take it out into our lives and to practice it so others can see and understand what the Word of God is. Because it is inspired, we need to understand it. As a watch is our authority on time. When I look at my watch, I believe it is the right time. I also, uh, as I use a compass, a compass tells me which direction I'm going and keeps me going in that direction. I also know that the Bible is an authoritative word. It tells us what to believe. And in this day and time, we need that so much when we hear that all things are relative and everything is truth. There's only one book that has all the truth in it, and that is the Word of God. God's people said, it is our authority. We are to practice it. We are to carry it out. So let me remind you this morning that the Word of God is eternal. It comes and goes. No, God's Word is always authoritative. You can look at any other book and you will find errors in it. You will look in the Word of God and you will find none. It's never out of date. Isn't it good we have something that is our authority that changes not? Because everything in this world is changing. But the Word of God is eternal and it lives forever. The grass withers away. The flowers fade away. But the Word of God endures how long? Forever. Amen. Isn't it good we have some authorities in our life that tell us what is right? All of this makes the Bible indispensable to us. It is the Word of God. It gives us direction. Several analogies tell us why the Word of God is indispensable. It's called the milk in 1 Peter 2.2. 2. It's called the meat in Hebrews 5.14. He that grows spiritually has to have nutrition. And just as we have food for our bodies spiritually, we have the Word of God to feed us, that we can drink and eat of it and know that it's going to nourish us. It is a mirror in which we see ourselves. The Bible transposes to us what is truth, and we see it there in the Word of God. It is a surgeon's knife that lays bare, and the Scripture says it, it analyzes our deepest being. As we come every Sunday and we study the Word of God, 
it analyzes us. It gives us an understanding of where we've been and where we're going. The New Testament emphasizes that the Spirit of God equips people to teach the Word of God. Do you ever wonder when you go into a Sunday school class, who gave these people the right to stand up and be the teacher, the authoritative person? I am convinced that every teacher needs to have the Sunday school director in their class once each year. Steve, hear me? We want you to be in every class in our Sunday school. We want you. Steve teaches Sunday school sometimes. Did he teach this week? Taught it again three weeks in a row. Is that right? What do you think, class? Is he going to make a teacher? Yes. All right, Steve, they believe in you. Watch you teach the Word of God. We want you to go around and check from our nursery, our babies, all the way up to our senior adults what the Word of God is being taught. But this alone is not enough. We all need teachers. We need to know they're teaching the Word of God. They're not teaching what the New York Times said this week. I want to tell you what the New York Times said this week doesn't matter to a hill of beans. They're the truth. Take it and they twist it and they use it for their own views. But my friends, the word of God is not twisted. The word of God is straight and love. That's why we must have the authority of the word of God. We need the Bible. We need to understand it. Am I doing something? Nothing. You gonna get me another something else? You all were looking at me strange this morning. I don't know what we're going to do. It's working now. Okay. Thank you all. I think the technological man who takes care of our sound needs a raise. I'm telling you, it's, it's something wrong with it all the time, but we try to make the best of it. So God has given us teachers to teach us the Word of God. The Bible says that we need to have teachers who understand and know the Word of God 
and can teach it to others. But there's one other thing we need to do. We must not only be taught the Word of God, we must also know that's not enough. For us just to come to Sunday school and be taught by a Sunday school teacher, and I'm afraid that most of us are spoon-fed by someone else. That's why we need the second directive of this purpose of studying the Word of God. We need to study the Word of God ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us and He can teach us the Word of God. We must rid ourselves of the idea that the Bible is a difficult book. God wrote the Bible for ordinary people just like us. And we must understand that truth is in the Word and the Word is truth. And we must not only be taught the Word of God, we must have the Holy Spirit who indwells us teach us personally, individually, the Word of God. Several things remind us of this. You say, Brother Jim, where is the passage of Scripture today? Well, I'm glad you asked. Or that you even noticed. Now, you do notice, you know, I know somebody, some of the preachers in our world today are not using this book. Shame on them. This is the Word of God. Turn with me to Acts, the 17th chapter. Acts, the 17th chapter. Are you with me? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Acts. The Verenians were good examples for us. The Bible says about them, let's look in Acts 17 beginning in verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogues of the Jews. Now, let me remind you that verse 10 is telling us something very important about Paul. When he took the word of God out to the world, he would go to every city, and in every city there would be a synagogue where the Jews would gather together to study the word of God. So he would go there. Verse 11 says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, does any of you have uh, a Bible that has some number around the term fair-minded? In mine, it means noble. Does yours say noble? Okay. Mine says they were more fair-minded. I like that term. I believe that term fair-minded gives us understanding there. They were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica. Well, what happened in Thessalonica? Well, see, one thing we're supposed to do in studying the Word of God, are you listening to me? Listen to this. We're supposed to read what comes before it and what comes after it. We need to get the whole picture. The Bible is written in chapters, and we need to read the whole chapter many times to understand one verse. We're looking about three or four verses here today, but we have to know that Paul and his fellows who were with him, they had taught 
in Thessalonica and they had been thrown out of the temple and they were fixing to stone them dead and the Holy Spirit guided Paul and the other man with him and they got them out of town. And what did Paul do? Did he go and cry and say, it's just not worth it. They're trying to kill me out there. I'm not going to be obedient to God anymore. My life's more important to me than anything I know. No. What did he do? He went on to the next city. And there he found understanding. So here we see that Paul is there. And it says in verse 12, excuse me, verse 11, in these uh, Thessalonians were more fair-minded in that they received the word of God with all readiness. Look at this next one. And searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. That's a wake-up call. You got it. Look at what the scripture says. They received the word. Do you know you're going, to dis you're going to understand the Word of God? If you go to Sunday school and you say, I'm getting nothing out of it, it's not always the teacher's fault. When you go to worship and you hear a sermon and you say, I didn't get anything out of that. That is not always the preacher's problem. Sometimes the problem is what a pastor told me when as a 16-year-old smart aleck, I had just accepted the call to preach, and I went up and told him, I said, I don't get anything out of your sermons. He looked at me, and he said, that problem is not mine, it's yours. It is your job to examine the scriptures and to find out whether what he says is true and whether he's preaching the word of God. We have to test it out personally, ourselves. And so the scripture tells us here, but when the Jews of Thessalonica learned the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, guess what? The believers from Thessalonica came down to Berea and tried to stir up the people. That's exactly what it says they did. They came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. You see, the word of God was shared, and the Thessalonians earnestly sought to know it and understand it and believe it and follow it. Whenever the word of God is shared, in any congregation, in any church, there are going to be some rebel rousers who don't like what's being shared and they try to stop the word of God. They make comments about it. They make comments about the one who shares it. They make comments, try to put down those who have the courage to preach and teach the word of God. Again, Paul had to leave. Wasn't he something else? He was never deterred to give up and stop 
proclaiming the word of God. Boy, it says in this passage, when he got there, when he got there, the scripture says that Paul got to Berea, he found the people of free mind. He found them open to the word of God. That's what we need to be. Come into the house of God with our mind opened to receive the word of God. Say, Lord, put me in the spirit where I can receive your truth. I can understand it. Today I want to give you some ways to understand scripture. The first thing I want to say, you might say, well, Brother Jim, I have always been taught that every preacher ought to preach out of the King James Version. Hello? Anybody heard that? I know some churches that are based on only preaching out of the King James Version. Now you'll notice that I preach out of the New King James Version. Why do I do that? I do that because I would say the majority of you, not all of you, but a majority of you, and this is especially true with our seniors. They like the sound of the King James Version. They've heard it all their lives. Let me remind you that you cannot build your life upon the King James Version. Hear me. Don't stop me. Don't, don't say, well, Brother Jim, if you don't preach out of there, I, I won't listen to you. Let me ask you this question. Are our newspapers written in the King James Version? They aren't, are they? Certainly aren't. Our newspapers are not written out of the King James Version. Very few couples fight in the King James language. We don't say, uh, thou shalt not talk that way to me. We don't do that. Come on. So why should we read the Bible out of the King James Version? Only. The King James Version is the most beautiful translation I have ever heard. The beauty of the words. But many of those words are three and a half centuries old. Are you listening? Three and a half centuries old. The Bible, the King James Version of the Bible was translated in 1611. They called it the King James Version of the Bible because it was at the command of King James of England that the Bible be written in understandable language for the people of the city and the neighborhoods and the sidewalks. You go out and speak the King James Version in our city and you'll be looked at as very strange. We no longer say thee and thou and this and that. is that people have come to associate that if you don't read it out of the King James Version, 
there's something wrong with you. So I still read it out of that. But folks, I guarantee you, when I go to study the scripture, I have 17 Bibles in my study. I have them up there. When I want to really understand what the scripture is saying, I go and check the different translations. Some of them are more clear and understandable than others, and I get at the meaning of what God is saying. So folks, if we're going to study the word of God, we need to study one that is in the translation of the times in which we live. Don't miss that point. I'll tell you why. You'll get very frustrated in studying the Bible and reading the Bible in the King James Version only. Now, those of you who want to tar and feather me for saying that, would you wait till after the service? Today, I also want to, to share with you a plan of how to study the Bible. You say, Brother Jim, I've been a Christian 40, 50 years. I think that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. But you know, so many times we only understand the version of our Sunday school teacher or the preacher. We only go by their study plan because they are the one we listen to. How many of us here this morning could truthfully raise our hand and say, I have a method of studying the Word of God? Most of us don't. Let me share with you the need of that. <laughs> one day, one fellow decided he was going to start opening the Bible and picking a verse, and he was going to follow that verse and do what it said every day. And he did that for several weeks, and then he came to the passage. He put his finger in the Bible, and it said, Judas hung himself. Well, he decided, I, I'm going to try that one more time, one more day. The next day, he picked out another scripture, and it said, go and do likewise. God never tells us to go out and hang ourselves. And he doesn't say for everybody to follow that example. We know better than that. We have to decide on some plan. I'm urging you, I'm saying to you, that just as you need food and water every day, three times a day, you also need to have a plan for studying the Word of God. Are you listening to me? It is essential that you have the Word of God in your life every day, that you have a plan that you're going to follow. We're going to talk about that. Let me talk to those of you who have never done it before. You say, well, Brother Jim, I don't have a clue. I don't have an idea. I don't know what to do. What should I do? Well, the first thing I would say to you is this. I would start studying the Gospel of Mark. This is a short, fast-moving account of the life of Christ. If there's anybody that ought to be our example, it's Jesus Christ. We need to know what he did, what, what in-depth study he did. We need to give special interest 
to mark and how simple it is. It's understandable. We could go then next to the Gospel of John. A lot of folks say go to the Gospel of John first. But I find if you're going to be encouraged and understand the Word of God, it's good to start with Mark. It is so simple. John is the second one. Why is John different? John also teaches us the teachings of Christ. It teaches us about the life of Christ. It also gives us study of his divinity. He is shown as the divine, perfect, all-knowing, all-wise, only one who ever lived on this earth without sin. We need to have a good understanding of who Christ is. Now, some of you are frustrated, and you're saying, Brother Jim, this is so elementary. I've heard all that all my life. Do you know we have new believers in the congregation? Do you know we have those who are 10, 11, 12 years old? Do you know that out of our revival, 75% of those who made a conversion experience were what we call the age group of 10 to 12? I can show you where those who came to Christ in our last revival, they were those who were new believers. They need some methods. They need some help in how to study the Word of God. Then I would go to the book of Acts. Why the book of Acts? Well, because it's the history of the church. It's in the book of Acts where the beginning of the local church as we know it was started under the leadership of God through the Holy Spirit. We read about the apostles. We read about Paul. We read about these great leaders in the church and how God told them to go out and spread the gospel to everybody. Dear folks, I want to say something here. I want to say it very strongly. I want to encourage you to give your money and your prayers to these special offerings we as Southern Baptist churches have. How many do we have? Let's see. We uh, have the Annie Armstrong offering. That's the offering to help reach America and Canada. Yes, Canada is part of the North American continent. So we're seeking to reach all the people of this continent with the Word of God. Why are we going to these 30 cities? Because that's where most people are. We are an exception. But don't we have the responsibility to take the Word of God out there to everyone? Then we have, excuse me, a state mission offering. Do you know that as Texans, we have more people of different nationalities in our state than any other state except California? And by the way, who would want to live in California? Would you raise your hand today? I don't see anybody. Somebody asked me the other day at a funeral how, how I got to Texas. I said, God delivered me from Illinois. That's what he did. 
and a lot of us have come from other places, but God's put you. We have a responsibility. Do you realize we have over 24 million people that live in this state? We have a great responsibility. And then we have the responsibility of the world. Jesus said in the Great Commission, go preach the word of God to everyone. So we as a church have a responsibility to take the word of God out there to everyone. That's what the book of Acts teaches us. They conquered the known world with the gospel in their lifetime. We need to work. That's our goal. That's our purpose. We don't just have these offerings to get money out of your pocket. You've got enough people coming getting money out of your pocket. Anybody say amen to that? Woo! I'm telling you what. I've looked at my tax returns this week, and my tax accountant, Sister Sue, has told me I better find a place to come up with some more money. That makes me aggravated. But you know what? I'm going to do it because I'm a citizen of this country. Then the Bible tells us, after we have looked at these New Testament books, we need to go look at the Old Testament books. Oh, my. Now, you saw this morning that I'm in the New Testament. But a lot of times, as I've gotten older and have studied the Old Testament for, I have found there is a great need to go to the New, excuse me, the Old Testament. Why? Why should we go to the Old Testament? We need to learn how God has dealt with man throughout the centuries. The way he dealt with them is, yes, there are principles there. There are things we need to know from the Old Testament to understand God. Yes, we ought to read the Bible from Genesis through Esther. That's one of the last plans, I'm telling you, to go through. Go through, Mark. John, Acts, the epistles, that's the story of the Bible that was written for individuals and for churches. But also remember, you can study the Word of God in themes in the Bible. Have you ever gone through the Bible and studied love? The love of God is everywhere in the Bible. Pick some subject like faith or prayer or love and see where it takes you. Sunday school teachers, there's some good ideas. Take some things that nobody else has studied and teach your students some different things. You know, when we become ill, we don't go to the cabinet and just pick out any medicine. If you do that, you're going to be in serious trouble. I want to encourage you to learn how to study the Word of God. For some of us, that includes about, oh, between 30 to 25% of us in worship. You need to think about going to Sunday school. I know what people say. They say, well, it's, it's hard to get up. 
No, it's not. It's just like any other work day. You just get up and you go to work at a different place. Yes, it is work to get up and come to Sunday school. But your children, I've, I've been talking to, to a, a family in our city, and I've been talking to them about joining with us, and they come from another denomination. But they said, we've gone to all the churches in Haskell, and we feel led to come to your church. And uh, I did not say this to them, but I said, hallelujah, in my spirit. I'm glad God's leading people to come here to study the Word of God. We are to be teachers of the Word of God. So people are looking, and he uh, has said to me recently, he said, well, I just don't know. He said, I, I just don't get any rest, and I like, I, I, I like to uh, rest on Sunday. Well, who doesn't? That's what the afternoon is for. Hello? There is a Sunday morning and there's a Sunday afternoon. Use the afternoon to rest. I promise you I'm going to use it for that. He said, well, it's just hard to get the kids up. I said, that's exactly why you need to come to Sunday school and to morning worship. Your, your kids need to be exposed to the gospel. They need to be exposed to the word of God. That's why we have Sunday school classes for every age group and every segment of society. We try to have a class for everybody. You say, well, Brother Jim, I'm, I'm doing that. Well, are, are you inviting others? Are you telling others? See, we could look around this morning, and there's 25% of prospects right here in worship to come and hear and study the Word of God. Today, I'm encouraging you. I'm saying as strongly as I can, and don't get nervous about me coming down these stairs, all right? I do come and practice every week, and I'm getting better and better. Now, Wayne, you don't need to laugh at me about that. He just wants another customer, I know. No, you got probably got a better eye than anybody in here. But I, my, my leg that was operated on is better, and I can get down the stairs. I don't want to make a... I want you to listen to these closing words this morning. The bottom line is about 90% of us are not studying the Word of God on a daily basis. If we had to tell the truth, if we had to say to God, yes, I'm studying the Word of God. I know what the biggest excuse is. I don't have time. I don't have time. You have time for what you want to do. You and I must make a commitment in our life to start studying the Word of God every day. How do you say, Brother Jim, how many ways can we study the Scripture? Well, I'm encouraging you and I'm saying to you, I didn't get it all done this morning, or we'd be here at 1 o'clock. And I think by 1 o'clock, this building would be empty, just me. I'm going to finish that up tonight, and I encourage you to come and learn some different ways to study the Word of God. We all need that admonition. We need to fall in love with the Word of God. 
as we're standing to our feet, I'm asking you today to make a commitment in your life to study the Word of God. I'm asking you, if you have made a decision recently, but you have not made that decision public, if you need to come for baptism, if you need to come for church membership, that you would come and be obedient to the Spirit. You say, well, Brother Jim, you didn't preach on my needs today. Yes, I did. The Holy Spirit is here, and in your soul, He's telling you what to do. Do what He says, and then study the Bible. 